You can imagine how the disciples felt. Aren't you glad for Easter morning? You know, they were distraught, but then came the morning when Jesus arose. Just lost their dearest friend All that he'd said Now he was dead Was this the way it would end The dreams they had dreamed Not what they'd seen Now that he was dead and gone The garden, the jail Hammer the nail How could a night Be so long Then came The morning Night turned into day The stone was rolled away Oh, 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 
Well, my goodness. Thank you, guys. I'll tell you what. Man, they need just a little practice and they'll be all right. No, that's, bless my heart. That was just, it might not be good English, but it's getting gooder and gooder as time goes on. Oh, man, it's good. Thank you so much. Man, what a song. Matthew chapter 28. We want to look at Matthew 28. And then Luke chapter 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be referring to these three passages. Matthew chapter 28. Luke chapter 24. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Three main texts. And so... Uh, this morning I want to share a sermon entitled The Importance of the Tomb in Gethsemane. The Importance of the Tomb in Gethsemane. First we'll look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through verse 8. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where they lay, or where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. Then, if you will, turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and we want to read verses, uh, verses 1 and following. Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, and we'll begin reading with verse 1. And now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and contained others with them and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. And they entered in, and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. They returned from the sepulchre. They told all these things unto the eleven and to the rest. Years ago, my family and I had an opportunity to visit Washington, D.C., we were able to visit the, the Capitol. We were able to visit the White House. That was before the sequester. 
We were able to tour it. And then we went to the Lincoln Memorial. And then we went to the Vietnam Wall. But one of the most interesting places that we visited was the Arlington National Cemetery. The cemetery was established prior to the Civil War. It covers 624 acres. There are approximately 400,000 graves presently in the cemetery. There are two former presidents buried in that cemetery. First, in 1930, William Taft was buried at Arlington. And then in 1963, President John Fitzgerald Kennedy was buried at Arlington. I was reading about that funeral this morning, about his memorial service. And they said that right at the conclusion of that service, that 50 military planes flew over that memorial service. After those jets went through, then Air Force One flew over and kindly tipped a wing in honor of the late president. The most popular site in that cemetery is the grave of President Kennedy. We're told that four million people annually visit that gravesite that contains the remains of President Kennedy. Now, with all due respect to our, our National Cemetery and to the late President Kennedy's family, I want to give evidence of another cemetery, another gravesite that is far more important than our National Cemetery. Amen. That cemetery is located 5,899 air miles from Washington, D.C. to Israel, to Jerusalem. That gravesite is located outside the city of Jerusalem near a small garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the most important gravesite in the world. Amen. It's more important than any earthly ruler's gravesite. Any earthly ruler, any earthly president, any earthly king, any earthly dictator who in the end were all themselves ruled by death. It's more important than any earthly philosopher's gravesite who in the end died as fools. It's more important than any religious leader, those who have already died, those who have remained. The most important gravesite in all the world is the empty tomb of our Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You say, well, Brother Sammy, why would that tomb, why would that gravesite be so important? I'm going to list about three reasons I jotted down. First of all, the tomb at Gethsemane contained, and I use that as past tense, contained the body of the Son of God. If you would jot down John, John chapter 1, and listen what John said right at, at the beginning in John chapter 1 and verse 34. 
He says this, And John said, And I saw and I bear record that this is the Son of God. He's speaking of Jesus Christ. He says, And I, John, and I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. And then chapter 3, verse 18, says this, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed the name of the only begotten Son of God. Amen. And so that tomb in Gethsemane is the most important grave site, the most important tomb site in all the world, because it had contained the body of the Son of God. Amen. But secondly, not only had it contained the body of the Son of God, but it contained the Creator. Look, if you will, back at John, in John chapter 1, and look what he says in verse 3. He says, All things were made by Him, and without Him, speaking of Jesus, was not anything made that was made. All things were made by Him, without Him was not anything made that was made. The Greek says it emphatically when he says, and not anything made that was made, literally, not even one thing that he didn't make. He made our solar system. He made the solar systems beyond our solar system. There is a star by the name of Antares. The star of Antares could hold 64 million suns the size of our sun. And Christ created it. Amen. Now you think that's something. There's a star beyond Antares called Hercules that we know of. And Hercules is a star that can contain one million stars the size of Antares. <coughs> And Christ made it. Amen. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. The solar system, sun, moon, stars, the mountains, snow-covered peaks, the oceans, the rivers, the birds of the air, the reptiles, all the animals, the gold, the silver, the precious metals, all were made by Him. And let me remind you, still belong to Him. Amen. Amen. So the most important tomb in all the world is there found in a quiet garden of Gethsemane. Important because it contained the Son of God. It contained the Creator. Then it contained the Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah. John 1 verse 41 says, Andrew finds his brother Simon and says unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. The word Christ, Messiah, means the anointed one. Several people had been anointed prior. Elijah had been anointed. David had been anointed. Solomon had been anointed. They'd been anointed with oil, but Jesus comes on the scene and he's anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. He's the true Messiah. That tomb in Gethsemane contained the true Messiah. And then the tomb contained not only the Messiah, but that tomb contained the Savior. 
Remember the message of Luke chapter 2 verse 11? The angel says to the shepherds, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We're sinners. And because we're sinners, we need a Savior. We can't save ourselves. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, fallen short of the God's glory. We can't save ourselves. Not of works, least any man should boast. We needed a Savior and God sent His Son, Jesus. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So He sends a Savior. And if you receive this Savior into your life, then you have eternal life. For the Bible says, As many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So inside that tomb was a Savior. A Messiah, a Creator, the Son of God. So why is that tomb there in the Garden of Gethsemane so important? It's important because it contained Jesus Christ, all wrapped up, Son of God, Creator, Messiah, Savior. But number two, if you're taking notes, the tomb in the Garden is important because it is empty. Amen. It is empty. God. Luke 24 verse 3 says that the women, they entered in and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 28, we read verse 5, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay. You know, we got to Arlington Cemetery. Man, I can just remember, I can see it today. And those crosses just in straight rows, man, one after another. And I don't know how many graves were there then, but according to the information I found this past week, there are 400,000 grave markers there now. And, and I only knew one person in that entire cemetery. President Kennedy. So I go up to this caretaker and I said, Where's President Kennedy's grave? Oh, he said, that grave, is, that grave is easy to find because it has a, an eternal flame coming from the head of that grave. You'll see it. Well, we found it. Now, can you imagine when the Marys came to the Garden of Gethsemane that first Easter morning? They didn't find no eternal flame. They didn't find a sealed tomb, one with a Roman seal, they didn't find a guarded tomb. But they found an empty tomb. Years ago, having the privilege to go there, I've all, I just always wanted to go to Gordon's Calvary. I wanted to go and see the place where Christ was crucified, the place of the skull. And I wanted to go, if possible, inside that tomb. And I remember setting out one day and prior, we, we sit in a little area up above the garden there and looking down at the tomb. And, um, and we observed the Lord's Supper. Um, 
they gave us uh, little wooden uh, cups made out of olive wood. In fact, uh, at one time I used that little cup when we observed the Lord's Supper here. And so we observed the Lord's Supper right there with the garden tomb uh, probably 50 yards from us. And after we got through, uh, they said we could go to the tomb. Now, there were about 20 of us, and I was about, I guess, probably midway in the line, 10 or 12 in line. And, and I can just imagine, I, I, just, I can imagine now, back then, how excited I was to, to just approach in the door of that tomb. And it had a huge stone in the shape of a, a large wheel, and it was on a, like a, a, a carved out concrete, uh, uh, well, hewn rock path. For that stone, like a wheel, to, to roll on. It's kind of rolled back. And so I can remember approaching that door in the entrance and stepping into that tomb. There's three or four in front of me. And I just kind of looked around. And, and over on the left, there is a hewn bed. Hewn out of the rock, side of that mountain. And uh, look, it's about two foot off the ground. It's about three, about two foot wide, I guess. For the body to lay. And they'd place bars inside that tomb in front of that ledge, in front of that bed, because people wanting souvenirs were taking pieces of the rock with them. And so they, uh, they placed bars there, but you could go in the tomb and look around. And the best that they can tell right now, that is the tomb where Jesus was laid. And I looked over to my left. And it is empty. There's nothing there. And I saw the same thing that the ladies saw that first Easter morning when they approached the tomb. He's not here. He's risen. And that's why we can break out in song, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He's living. Whatever men may say, I hear His voice. You know, I know He lives because He lives within my heart. Amen. See, we serve a risen Savior. And so you see, today, we can be excited about the tomb in Gethsemane because it's the most important tomb in all the world because it's empty. It's empty. It's empty. Well, I'll jot it down one more. I'll close with this. The tomb is important because of the assurance it gives. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Familiar passage, but let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning as we, uh, as we read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, look if you will. Look at verse, um, let's look at verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there's no resurrection of the dead? See, even in the time, even in the time of Christ, right after the burial of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, there were some who said, no, he didn't, he didn't raise from, rise from the dead. If there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. Your faith is also in vain. 
Yea, and we're found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that He was raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you're in your sins. And then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of dead, of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit, afterward that they are Christ that is coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put down the enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he that hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject, uh, subject unto him that put all things under him, that Christ may be all in all. Else... What shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? That's a different subject for a different time. Why stand we jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beast of Ephesus, what advantage it may? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived. Evil communications, corrupt manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thy food, that which thou sowest, is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain, it may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. <coughs> But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fish, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies, bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory, one sun, another glory of the morn, another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earthy, earth, earthly, the second man is the Lord from heaven as the earthly 
such are they also that are earthly. And as the heavenly, such are they also are heavenly. And as we are born the image of earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot in inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality, and when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have been put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know what la that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Now I know that was a, a lengthy reading. But to put it real simple, one day we're going to die. Amen. We're going to die, and the Lord's going to come back. And when the Lord comes back, He's going to come back for His church, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And those that belong uniquely to Him will be caught up. Amen. They'll be raptured. And they'll go to be with Him forever and forever. Amen. Those that do not belong to Him, they're in the grave, will stay in the grave. For a period of time. And they'll stay in the grave for about a thousand years. And then the Lord will come back. And there'll be a second resurrection. And those that do not belong to him will come forth out of the grave. And they'll stand before him in what is known as the great white throne judgment. And they'll be judged without having a Savior. Now, the purpose of the resurrection is to let us know that because of His victory over the grave, that we're going to have victory over the grave. You know, the best way for God to prove that He can raise a dead person is to raise a dead person. And that's what He did in Jesus. And because Christ arose, we too shall rise. And the Bible teaches there'll be the first resurrection of those that belong to Him who are dead. And there'll be the second resurrection those lost will be raised according to Revelation 21. And they'll stand before that great white throne for judgment. And the saddest verses that you'll ever find in the Bible is found in Revelation chapter 20. And verse 5 says this, But the rest of the dead live not again until... Until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So there's a second resurrection coming. And then chapter uh, 20 verse 
uh, 11 in the book of Revelation says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, the small, the great stand before God. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to the works. The sea gave up the dead which was in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which was in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Some of the saddest words you'll find in the Bible. Now this morning as we come to celebrate, we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The most important tomb in all the world is that tomb in Gethsemane. Because who it contained? The Son of God, the Creator, the Messiah, the Savior. Important because it's empty. And it's important because of the assurance of our own resurrection. Now let me ask you something. If Christ were to come back today for His church, would you be among that number? Or would you be left behind? I sent out a message yesterday reminding you of some things. And I believe I ended that message and said, Remember, remember, remember what? Remember that Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming. And you don't want to miss that trip. Let's bow our heads just a minute. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come into your presence. And just be reminded of a little garden spot. Just on a little place there near the Mount of Olives. Right in the corner. Thank you, Lord, that you've reminded us today the importance of that tomb that's in that garden. And Father, thank you for the person that it contained, past tense. At one time, the Son of God, the Creator, the Messiah, the Christ. Thank you, Lord, that now, for 2,000 years, that tomb has been empty. And because of that, Lord, we know that when we die, that we will have victory over the grave victory over sin, over the grave. And one day this old mortal body that we have will be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and we'll have the body that we will have forever as you reunite our body, reunite our body and our spirit together. I, I look forward to that day. I'm thanking you Lord that, that one day I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to be changed. And so, Father, I look forward to your coming. My body will be changed if I'm in the grave and come up, or my body will be changed if I'm alive and go up. But I'm going to be changed. And I pray for others here this morning, Father, perhaps who have never trusted you to be Lord and Savior of their life. You tell us in your words, some will be taken, some will be left. 
Those taken are those who have put their faith and trust in you. Those left, those who have rejected you. And so I pray for every person here this morning that they might see the seriousness of the resurrection. They might see the seriousness of them putting their faith and trust in you. They would be willing to do that today. Thank you, Lord, for the assurance of our own resurrection. Now, as the Holy Spirit leads in our lives, decisions that will need to be made, Lord, I pray as the Holy Spirit prompts us that we'll make the decisions that you would have us to make. Help us to realize that um, life is short, death is certain, and one day you're coming again. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Terry is going to lead us in hymn number 320. 320. Go ahead and find that hymn 320. Now, if you're here this morning and you, you may be a guest, that's great. That's good. God's brought you here. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, we're not talking about being a member of this church. And we can talk about that later. But this morning, what, I'm, what, I'm sh what I've shared with you, would you be willing to come this morning and say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved. I won't be saved. Don't understand a lot of things about it. Don't understand just hardly anything about it. But I just want to be saved. I want to be on that. I want to. I want to be part of that church that's called up. I want to be. I want to go up. I don't want to be left here. Would you be willing to come? I won't embarrass you. And after everyone leaves, we'll talk for just a while. Let me encourage you to come. Just make that statement. Brother Sammy, I'd like to be saved. Now, so we'll talk in just a few minutes and you can take a seat. Would you be willing to do that? Maybe come in rededication. I don't know. Pray, just come and pray or transfer your membership. God's doing great things here. I'm so excited. This time next year, I can just imagine what it's going to be like. It's going to be good. But until then, we'll do what he's called us to do and try to be faithful in doing it. So let's stand together prayerfully, reverently.